Hey, ICO fans, I hope you're staying cool right now. I was in Texas recently visiting family and there were consecutive days of 41 Celsius degree weather outside. Yes, very, very hot. That was about 105 degrees for those of you in the States. All right, getting to our show. This is a previous chat I had with Andreas Bruno, co-founder and business developer at Monimoto, which is a super easy to use anti-theft GPS tracker for motorcycles. Andreas' entrepreneurial journey is quite remarkable as he has a background in IT, radio, marketing, and project management. He describes himself as a bit of a crazy person, and after you hear some of his entrepreneurial pursuits, you'll understand why. If you're interested in hearing a story about an entrepreneur who hit rock bottom only to rise up again, then this is the episode for you. Let's dive in. You are listening to Innovators Can Laugh with Eric Melcher, where I dive into the interesting and fascinating stories of innovators and startup founders from Europe. Let's dive in. All right. My guest today is Andreas Bruno Remkunas, co-founder of Monimoto, which is an affordable, easy-to-use, reliable, smart GPS tracker with a year's battery life that cleverly alerts your phone if your motorcycle is, has been moved. Hey, welcome, Andreas. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hi, Eric. Thanks for having, having me here really well. What about you? I'm doing pretty good. Tomorrow, we're heading out to the mountains spending Christmas with my with the in-laws and my, my sister-in-law and her family. So I'm pretty excited about it. I'm hoping that this year they'll, they'll cook something different than what they made last year because for like four days in a row, all I ate, what it seemed to me was like pork for four days in a row. And it, it was just too much. You know, I was like, hey, I, I don't want to have pork again for a year. It was too much. So what are you going to be doing for Christmas? Well, I hope I won't be, oh, I won't be eating that much. <laughs> As, uh, you know, it used to be a few years ago. We had all the, I guess we all had this quarantine, you know, diet. So I uh, had uh, kept to limit, limit ourselves a bit. But yeah, I think uh, it's the last day before before the Christmas Eve. We have this, uh, I, I've been reading somewhere, there is a 24th of December is the day of bank holidays in Lithuania and Poland, might be some other country as well. But it's a day before Christmas, you know, it's the eve when the... Well, officially Christ was born. So uh, we are like celebrating 24th and then 25th and then 26th. And it depends whether we are celebrating 27th or not. Yeah. Yeah. So lots of celebration. Hey, I'm curious, during the celebration, is there a type of food that is tradition? And maybe it's a type of food that you don't necessarily like, but they make it and you feel obligated to eat it. Is there anything like that on the menu during the uh, traditions? Always, always like that. So, you know, I hate herring. I just don't understand it. You know, I can eat salmon and other fish, but herring uh, is not that good for me. But it's really, really popular here in Lithuania during the Christmas, uh, you know, time. Yeah. And, uh, well, I guess it's it takes like, what, hundreds, uh, 200 years, you know, to, to build this tradition and you cannot avoid that. <laughs> so it's something, something you know, and then uh, I guess it, it's coming from uh, the old ancient time. There has to be 12 dishes on the table. I think it's for one per each month, you know, so it symbolizes that next year they all, they, all the 12 months will be like, you know, fine, nice and good. So yeah. yeah, you have to kind of try 12 dishes when you are at the table. So it's uh, something like that. Yeah. But on my case, it's herring and uh, I guess... You know, it's, well, 
before all the you know big events there is a period of you know some diet so officially you know those who are religious they are not eating meat or some you know other foods so the well grease maybe like 30 days before that or so and then you know the feast starts and you are eating everything so it, it, it's kind of a you know uh, this event so okay. yeah normally the Athenians and you know i guess the, the our neighbors uh-huh. used to eat a lot during the Christmas time. Have you been fasting, Andreas? No. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> okay. Well, well, hey, so I want to start off with just some personality questions so that way the audience can kind of get to know a little bit about you. We'll jump into Manimoto in just a second here. But first question I have for you is, what is a major sporting event or maybe even a concert, like a like a music band that you really like, that you would love to see one day. Well, my wife hates it, you know, when she says, "Well, there is some artist, you know, coming, and we should go to the concert." And for me, I'm I'm extrovert, but I just don't like this, you know, mass of people, you know, squeezing into some one space and then listening to some well questionable quality, you know, sounds. Uh-huh. And uh, but I would definitely go to something like you know Goldie and the orchestra. Okay. So, you know, Goldie is a drum and bass hero from coming from UK. He's a promoter and producer of drum and bass music. And he did this big event with the Royal Orchestra, you know, together. And mm-hmm. the sound is like something amazing, like the, the, the classical, you know, sound and then the modern rhythm. Okay. And for me, it was like mind blowing stuff. All right. All right. Okay. Next question for you. What is a TV show or movie that you can watch again and again? Well, in my family, it's Men in Black and Matrix, I think, yeah. Okay, are you going to watch the new one coming out? I don't even know. Is it out yet, Matrix? I saw the trailer. I don't know when it's uh, out, but definitely, yeah, we will. Yeah, yeah, I I look forward to watching it too. It's one of those things that you have to watch it in the theater because you just don't get the same experience at home watching it on the TV or on your laptop. Sure, sure. Out of all these 100 times you watch this movie, you should, uh, you know, watch it at least once in the cinema. Yeah. 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 All right. Last fun question for you, Andreas. Does pineapple belong on pizza? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) This is something, you know, I could, you know, torture Italians. I'm traveling to Italy a a lot, actually. So this is where, you know, I feel like testing them, you know, could I have some pineapple on top? And some, you know, I guess 50% of them are are totally fine with that. And others starting the, the, like, (laughs) well, very emotional conversation. I really (laughs) enjoy that. Has any of them ever told you get out of here? <laughs> no, no, no. But it's a kind of a, you know, it's a re- religious issue, I would say. You know, there is always like PC and Mac and maybe, you know, uh, whatever, diesel or, or petrol. And then it's a, yeah, pineapple yeah. on pizza or not. So this is this type of thing. And I do enjoy, you know, trolling other people with that. <laughs> okay. Let's start off talking a little bit about early in your career. Before your entrepreneurial ventures, you had roles at the Lithuanian State Television and Radio and also at a freaky production house. What were some of the skills that you learned performing these roles that helped you become a better entrepreneur? I was thinking about that a lot, especially when my daughter, one is 16, another 14, 
you know, hit the, the, this age when they are questioning, okay, okay who I'm, uh, you know, going to, to be, you know, what, what I'm going to work, should I choose the career path and so on. And I was reading lots of books and articles about that. And, you know, there's a theory about this uh, square type of person, T type, T shape, you know, person and so on. And, uh, uh, then it's a distinction of early, well, what's that, a career path, uh, you know, or late. And late means building, you know, lots and lots of very, very different experiences. So this is what I had, actually, because, you know, when I was, uh, what, I guess, 15, we, uh, it was a crazy time. So it was like, me, I just got the independence and, you know, where we are on the borderland. So, you know, it was a trading, I was actually jealous because I was a bit too young to go to uh, to this trading stuff like, you know, buying the German cars from German, used cars from Germany and bringing them to Ukraine or Russia. And then from Russia, you could take metals and bring to Germany and do, you know, lots of trading and so on. So I ended up with the, uh, buying the Lada, the Russian cars, uh, uh-huh. which are shipped from UK. So they are the, the driving wheel is on the right side. So my job was to, you know, to put the, this, uh, you know, on the left side and sell to Ukrainian or Georgian and, or Russian people. Okay. So I, I learned how to, you know, paint the cars, how to do the welding, you know, and all other stuff. So this is what's very early stuff. Then I used to, to, to build up by <laughs> trading. Or even before that, I guess it was the, the trader skill. When, well, in, in, there is a saying in Soviet Union, there were no sex. And, you know, actually there were no education, no books about that at all. And then it was a book called the, uh, well, the essence of sexology or something like that. And the book was, you know, very rare and people were just, you know, buying it like crazy. It's a, it was a totally new and fresh thing. And I had somewhere to buy them, you know, in bulk. And it, the price was what, something like five rubles, maybe something like that. And I was selling for 25. For all the kids and adults in my, you know, yard. So yeah, I was selling like crazy back then. Yeah. So then I went to the musical shop where, you know, I was fascinated by the fact that the keyboards can be connected to the, to the computers. And this is why, where I ended up, you know, being, assembling the computers, some specific ones with specific sound cards for composers and Lithuania and so on. So this is well, one of the skills, you know, that I, that I had. And then... Eventually, I went to the radio and I had to take care, of, take care about the both computers in the radio station. That, that was like back in 1995, I guess. Uh-huh. And then I, I, I was working nighttime as a radio host uh, or a DJ. And then I was invited to TV station. Uh, where, uh, you know, I did the same. Actually, it was a radio DJ speaking, you know, to the camera. So uh, there was a need to fill in these gaps, you know, between the programs and the news. Yeah. Because, you know, now you have computers and you have playlists and you can fill in, you know, this uh, sequence of playlists uh, however you want. Yeah. But then, back then, there, was, uh, there were tapes and you just had to fill in, like, okay, today you have three minutes, 37 seconds. So you go and fill in this with some type of game. You call in, you answer the, the questions, you win some prizes and so on. Yeah. So, and I had nothing to do between these, uh, you know, I would say interruptions. So, uh, well, normally I was going there uh, to the TV uh, station about 5 p.m. maybe and working until 10 p.m. and just a couple of, uh, you know, appearances on, mm-hmm. uh, on air. So there was a kind of an offer. Maybe you would like to write some, you know, texts for, for TV program and TV shows, trailers, like promo, promotional texts. And I was like, yeah, maybe. And then uh, I started to voice them. 
So, and then, you know, there were like two editors and I was told like, okay, you have to now, uh, you know, coordinate all this, you know, stuff with them. So this is how I went from, you know, being a host to writing, to, to copywriter, to voiceover talent, to coordinator, and then a manager of small, you know, division in, in the television. So this is how I became kind of a creative marketing guy. Uh-huh. And then eventually, you know, all the agencies and communications and everything else, else you know, built up during the, the, the years. Yeah. So this was a really long answer, right? <laughs> but this is how it went. Yeah. And I'm so curious. I mean, let's let's start with, uh, okay, DJing, right? You had a radio show. You had different programs. Was there a specific program that you liked the best? The one that, you know, you got excited about? Was there, you know, a fun part of that specific role that you were in? Yes and no, you know, I, I used to uh, record, you know, some of the shows myself and then, you know, I did listen to them, well, five years later on. Uh-huh. I was like, oh shit, it was so really bad, you know, but back then I was like so proud to, to work on radio. So it's, uh, well, yes and no, but one thing was, and I'm still remembering it very clearly. So there were like just two CD players in the station. And so, you know, there, there were no MP3 files that, you know, and the computers were really, had really tiny hard disks. So only the ads, you know, could, could go into a computer, but otherwise yeah. all the music you know, were, were com- was coming from the CDs. And we had something like two or 300 CDs, you know, on the wall. And I remember it clearly when it, you, you hadn't, you know, to look at the wall, you were just, you know, extending your arm and picking the right CD taking it to the CD player and, you know, you were like instantly remembering the the number of the song, you know, to play. So wow. it was a skill, you know, that uh, we used to have, you know, back then. <laughs> and uh, that's one thing I do remember. I also remember that it was really, really hard to stay about awake until 4 uh, a.m. in the morning. It's, uh-huh. you know, it's a, well, it's something, you know, happening between 3 and 5 uh, a.m. in the morning. It's really hard to not to fall asleep yeah and uh, this is where you know i i was getting uh, phone calls from different you know women you know who were not sleeping and saying okay let's talk you know and and then chat and so on so i sometimes we were like chatting uh, you know on ear sometimes off ear and well sometimes it went really intimate you know uh, discussions and open stuff but i never met any any you know of, of those and the show was called Discodrome. So my previous boss at the radio station, he went to some national big radio station to another city and he left me this program. So it was two hours of house and disco, not disco, house and techno music. Yeah. And, you know, it was kind of a, you know, funny thing when, you know, the music is playing something like 129 or more BPMs. And you are kind of thinking when you are speaking fast, it makes it really, you know, Good for people, but uh, again, as I said, when you're listening to this recording, it's funny, you know, you, you're saying nothing, no content. You're just uh, telling some shit and it's uh, it's going too fast and you can barely understand what's what's in there. But back then, you know, the radio, this radio show was, uh, I guess, the, one of the most popular on this radio station. So, yeah. yeah. Fa- <laughs> Fascinating. And then also when you were talking about changing the steering wheel, and moving it to the left-hand side and selling those cars uh, physically, was that the most physically demanding job that you ever had? Because to me, it seems like, hey, there, there's a lot of physical work that goes into that. Was it hard work? I mean, was it, you know, very demanding? Yeah, or... but, uh, 
uh, well, Eric, I, I know I'm a bit uh, like crazy person, I'd say. Like, uh, you know, when, when, I, when I'm saying like to my wife, oh, should I should try this one. I do really like, you know, to, to try this uh, welding, you know, aluminum stuff. So she's like, oh, no, it's, you know, again. So she knows I'll, I'll, I'm going to I'm gonna be jumping into, you know, all in, you know, testing it and, you know, coming back back within like uh, what two weeks time yeah so no it wasn't i think you know i well this welding part and you know changing this wasn't the most dirty job i would say you know the preparation for painting is the most i would say dirty and the job that, that i don't like same would be with the house you know reconstruction you should uh, take all these plaster you know boards and then apply some i don't even know the english words you know for them but uh, lots of different stuff until you get the wall really even you know and you can paint yeah. paint it over so okay. I've tried a lot of things and I do love woodworking and I have the garage full of uh, woodworking stuff. So I, I, I do like, uh, you know, uh, doing this uh, dirty or uh, mechanical, physical, you know, uh, jobs. And, it, and they have, actually they help to, to relax after, you know, being all, you know, day in the calls or Excel sheets or, you know, whatever yeah. daily job you do. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I never considered myself to be a person that likes working in the garden or yard. But when my wife and I bought our house, I and our, even though our backyard was really small, I enjoyed being out there planting, you know, new plants or cutting the grass or repairing the fence. There was just something, you know, physically getting your hands dirty that 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 was that made it very relaxing. So I, I definitely understand what you mean. Prior to launching Manimoto, you had a lot of different entrepreneurial pursuits. Can you tell us about one that you were very excited about, but it didn't turn out like you expected? What did you learn from that one? But it will be connected to Manimoto, I think, in the in the end of story. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. Okay. Yeah. So the, well, the overall career that I had, it, it was like on the marketing creative agency side. Right. And I, I, I did work actually on all the biggest Lithuanian television networks and, and the Baltic, you know, Lithuania is really tiny markets. It's like what, 3 million people. So sometimes, you know, uh, when foreign businesses are launching, you know, uh, corporates, so they are like seeing this, uh, all three Baltic countries, Lithuania, Latvia, and Estonia as a like Baltic region. And, and then, you know, I used to work there as well. But after that, I did realize that I have to escape this industry. Because, you know, it's uh, what's uh, what 15 years more or less, you know, in, in that TV, radios and agencies and so on. I'm fed up, you know, and it doesn't make any sense for me to stay here. And I was determined I should be going and choosing some tech-related stuff. And I'm not sure why, but hardware was always something, you know, in there. Like, okay, now I can tell, okay, next, my next venture will be something like, you know, software as a service, maybe B2B, you know, this is why, you know, I, I, I'm good at selling and marketing and the, the, the things. But hardware is still winning, you know, somehow. Yeah. So back then, when I did decide this, uh, made, I would say I've made this guideline for myself. I should be working in, in uh, or, you know, starting my career in tech. I had this idea that we should build some, I should build some lamp, rear lamp, you know, this red one for the bicycles, uh, which would act as a tracker. Okay. And then, well, I didn't find anything like that on the market. So then, and I was having small kids back then. And I was okay. like, okay, there should be some kind of solution to track your kid because when you, you become parent, 
uh, and then they start, you know, to going to kindergarten and later on to the school. You're kind of very ne- nervous, you know, to to lose them. It's it's not the times like 30 years ago when we were like spending all the day on the street. Now it's yeah. uh, different. And I was looking for some solutions. And I went to different companies, including, you know, big Lithuanian company and uh, who were who still doing hardware. They're doing really well. And I did purchase some of the some of the devices, and my plan was to build the back end and then you know front end, and to use these devices for tracking the kids and so on. But it went you know so bad because the devices were full of bugs. You know, it it, it stopped working, and you know my programmer was like, okay, it just stopped recording to the server. You know, and I'm not sure what to do. There, there is no way to, you know, to to do anything about that. And I went uh, to this company and uh, Teltonica, you know, where I was buying the hardware from. And I was saying like, guys, I did invest like, you know, all the money I had into this project and your hardware just doesn't work. You know, maybe there are some other ways. Maybe you can, you know, wheel some, you know, source code to me and I could, you know, help with that, you know, because it's obviously not working or, or do something, you know, else. But the answer is, well, no, sorry, it's our proprietary stuff. And so, you know, there is nothing to do. So, yeah, I lost, I think, well, now it doesn't sound like a very, very huge amount, but that back then it was like 30,000 euros or so. So it was all I had. And I made myself a clear lesson that I should not be building, uh, you know, like businesses or ideas on top of other people's stuff, which are acting like a black, black box, which I cannot influence, which I cannot change, you know? And then you are like, okay, so this box is, you know, not providing any feedback. It's, it just, just doesn't work. So, yeah. you know, this is very, very painful thing that I learned what, I guess it was 2007, eight. Mm-hmm sometime about that so yeah and yeah. this is well how it's connected with monomoto so i did went with this idea of bicycle you know lamp to to few engineers in in vilnius so i was having having lunch with a few of them and this is how i met that Rolando, my current partner he was and he's still a founder and uh, he was back then a ceo of another company engineering company and they did like the idea and so he got interested. He he brought back to the to the other partners, his partners, and said, "Yeah, we are interested." But so, you know, during I guess first six months, we realized that we cannot do anything that small and in the like affordable price range, and the technology is not there yet. And we should do something for motorcycles. And this is how the Moni Moto was born. Funny thing is that at the moment we are coming back to the bicycles. Yeah. yeah, so you're going through this period where you said you just lost like 30,000 euros. It was a, that's a, that's a huge sum. And uh, you have two small kids. And uh, I'm wondering, like, what were you doing? You have all this weight on your shoulders because you got to provide for your family. You just spent a lot of time and effort on something that didn't work out. And was this sort of like the light at... How did, how did you get through this? You know, th- this is a, b- a big struggle in my eyes. I've got two small kids, so I, I, I can't imagine where I just spent a lot of my money, a lot of my savings, and this didn't work out. What was going on through your head at this time, Andreas, and how did you get through it? I, I think I'm always sitting through somehow. It's, well, now when looking retrospectively, it was, there were like few things. One thing I would say is friends. So I have, I had friends who, you know, were totally okay to borrow me, what, 5,000 euro, you know, and no terms, nothing. And uh, that was one thing. And another is I'm always, always, you know, uh, 
finding a way how to earn money one or another way. So I, I, I'm totally okay to provide the services. I am okay as, as you heard, you know, to do some uh, physical, you know, uh, stuff. I'm a quite good project manager. So I know how to code a bit and I can build, you know, well, quite a complex, uh, you know, websites and I do the voiceover and, and producing the, well, the videos and so on. So, you know, I, and I have a really, really big network of, of you know, people I know. So this is uh, where, you know, it's uh, all helped. It's like, okay, for the short periods, uh, you can borrow the money from your friend. And then in the meantime, you know, I can always find some projects that I can work on and, you know, live on this uh, money, return the, you know, money to, to my friend that I borrowed from. And uh, yeah, okay. so, okay. you know, I just to, you know, understand I'm, I'm oh, very energetic person. So sometimes it's, it makes, you know, some people who are next to me and uh, less energy than me, it sometimes irritates them. And <laughs> with all this energy, I can, I can, you know, work on few quite a big projects uh, simultaneously. Okay. And so I'm, I'm just like that. So, you know, this is what I realized. And actually one of, one of my friends helps me to realize that I am okay to take, you know, much more than other people can, you know, take in terms of, you know, job thinking, you know, and I'm a really, I'm thinking really fast. So that's yeah. one thing. And the another thing, every time I'm okay, I should be, you know, well, maybe I should be choosing some more like narrow niche. Maybe I should be, you know, a product manager, which I, I guess I would be really, you know, good at that. And then I should be going coding because I can and, you know, doing some other stuff. For instance, I would do woodworking, you know, and that's, you know, in yeah. certain times it pays, you know, really well. Yeah. But my friend said, no, 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 you would be lost. You, you have too much, you know, energy, you know, <laughs> so you have to, 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 to be careful. You have to work with people. You have to push ideas. You know, you have to, to get some uncertainty yeah. because, you know, when, when the things are cert certain around me, it's not really interesting. to Yeah, me. You're, you're kind of like a jack of all trades. So when people first hear about Monimoto, what do they get really excited about when they discover uh, the product? Well, in most cases, it's not they get excited. It's more like they say, okay, I saw, you know, another tracker on Amazon selling at what, three times, you know, less or, or so. And then, you know, it takes time to to speak, discuss and educate, you know, about the differences and, well, the focus that we have. And uh, when we started in Morimoto, there were like plenty of different trackers that you could use as an anti-theft tracker. You can even use, you know, whatever old iPhone that you have connect to the motorcycle, you know, in order to be charged at all times. And here you go, you can use, you know, different mm -hmm. technologies to do the same job. But what we did focus on was the ease of, you know, all these trackers. When we started, they were all wired. So you have to connect like at least two wires, right? Mm -hmm. Red and black. And it causes lots of, you know, difficulties for some people and other people don't want to breach the warranty of the motorcycle when it's new. And then the configuration, it was done either through specific software, which is done through computer connecting, you know, through the USB, micro USB or whatever, you know, cable or through text messages, which is really, you know, uncomfortable. And this is where we said, okay, we could do a battery powered device, which would focus only on anti-theft, you know, stuff. And we should do the, so that, that means actually eliminating, eliminating all the, so to say nice to have features like, okay, I, I would like to track all these routes that I want yeah. and then share with the friends or community, you know, yeah. and so on. So we kind of stripped it down to the anti-theft uh, function right. only. And we made a really, really nice user experience, ease of use thing through the app. 
So it, it just uses two apps, iPhone or okay. Android. No other means of, of front end. And then you just go next, you insert your name and then next, next, next. And here you go. You, you can start using the device. All right. And uh, what markets are you in? I know you're in many countries in Europe and I think you, you launched in the US, but what markets are, are you in currently? So short history, it went like this back in 2017, end of 2017, we finished the first version of product, which now we see it was like buggy like shit. And <laughs> we started trading in Italy. We went to the shows and Italy, when you're looking from, you know, business development perspective on Excel looks wonderful. Uh -huh. The country is full of motorcycles. It's the leader in the world, you know, of motorcycles per yeah. capita. Well, except for maybe India, Philippines, and, you know, the countries where the motorcycle is the first, you know, mean of yeah. transportation. But then the theft rates are high, you know, and the insurance companies, you know, matured and so on. But it didn't work out. Like it's, it's really, you know, it was really weird to understand that there are agents, you know, people who are dealing with all these retail shops and every agent works differently in, in uh, his or her different region, like Sicily is in the south or, you know, Piemont or, you know, Lombardia is on, on the top where the rich uh, region is. And they have different, uh, you know, understanding on how to sell. And it's really, you know, hard to control of them. It's impossible actually to control them. They are overselling. They are like uh, promising that there is no subscription for the SIM card to the people. And it's, it's coming back, you know, in a bad way. And the worst case was when uh, most of them were asking for payment terms of six or nine months, which for us was like, no, we can't, you know, yeah. for that. We are like struggling with cash. We are a young company. Yeah. So, and this is how we said, okay, we should try UK. And then we were approaching the retailers directly in the UK and it picked up slowly, but it did pick up. And both the direct to consumer channels, it's, it's our own website and then the Amazon channel and the retailer shops. Well, it's proved to be, you know, at the right product, the right quality of the product and the offering and well, the timing. Yeah. So it's, it started with the UK. Mm -hmm. Then, then we went to France and France, the, the, there is, there are much more competitors, I would say, than in, in UK. And eventually we did cover the whole Europe. So we were changing this model from working with retailers, we went to distributors, one exclusive distributor for one country. So that means a faster, you know, markets penetration. And then you, USA. So we gained some experience. We did the certifications for USA and we did screen all the distributors and we were, were working for like half a year with, uh, with uh, all of them until we reached uh, the agreement with Tackle Power Sports, who is uh, the best distributor that we ever had. Fantastic. Fantastic. And, and they are now, now USA and USA now, I think it's like 45% of uh, total units sold. This great, year. great. What's what's your revenue for 2021, Andreas? We will finish 2021 with something like 2. Point, almost 3 million, 2.3. Last year it was 1. Point, almost 4. So 1.4 we were targeting to grow 100%, so we missed that. Okay, there are like justifications like, you know, covid supply chain and other issues, but uh, well, I think we are still positive and I mean cash cash flow or EBITDA positive. So that's good. And for the next year, again, we have this, we have this 100% growth. Okay. So yeah, let's get 5 mil, you know, next year. So we'll see. All right. All right. All right. Well, last question I have for you, Andreas, is I was broking or I was, I was poking around your personal website and I saw lots of books, books such as Triggers, Startup Nation, Growth Hacker Marketing. 
If you could recommend one or two books for the audience, which one would you recommend? Okay, Eric, but first I need to understand your audience better. So <laughs> what's the ideal customer profile of your audience? Well, these are either startup founders or people who want to create a startup. They're very entrepreneurial mindset. Someone who's got the ambition, maybe they don't have the exact idea yet, but um, they're looking for some guidance, maybe some good knowledge that they could learn from. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, it's really hard to pick the best one because, you know, my my speed is like, what, 50, at least 50 books okay. per year. And I'm, you know, switching from Harvard Business Review collections to, to some psychology or so sociology books and so on. So mm, on one end, I would recommend, you know, something which is like historical, you know, the, well, it's, you know, Guns, Germs, and Steel, or, you know, the, the series of the books. So let me check. And while you're checking, do you have a life a life motto or maybe a favorite quote that you live by? Oh, my. Maybe it's it, it would be something like, everything will be okay in the end. If it's not okay, it's not the end. Okay. Something like that, yeah. you know. And yeah, so the the next to the guns, terms, and steel, it's karate books, you know, about twenty first age and so on. So it's why because it really lays out, you know, how did it, it went to the very start of uh, humanity and you know how it's how humans did change the world and themselves and so on. So that would be like one stream, and well, the other would be. I would say geopolitical books, and that's uh, Tim Marshall, Divided, and others. It really opens your eyes and helps to understand, you know, the differences and the reasons, maybe reasoning behind why is China like that or Russia like that or, or you know, some other countries or, or regions okay. like that. Because, for instance, I guess for USA, uh, for Americans, it's really hard to understand, you know, what's, what's happening. But for us, you know, when I'm living in Ruthenia, which is like borderland, so we're always on this border, you know, and then there were Germans and then the Swedes and then the Russians, you know, and then, you know, others like fighting and, you know, living on this borderland. All right. Okay. No, th that book sounds really fascinating. I think it's something that I'm going to put on my uh, favorite list in Amazon and, uh, and check it out. Cause I'm always fascinated about, you know, different countries, the history about each country or the different regions. And now that I'm living over here in Eastern Europe, I feel like it's something that I definitely would enjoy. So, Andreas, thank you so much for being on the show. This has been very, very fascinating. I enjoy learning much about you and your experience and, and, your, and your background and your story. And uh, to everybody listening, just want to say thanks again for tuning in. If you enjoy the show, please give us a review and I will chat with you next week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, I'd really appreciate it if you could give us a review and star rating. Also, don't forget to sign up for the ICO newsletter at innovatorscanlaugh.com where you can get the bio and details of each guest. Thanks. <laughs>